0: You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com.
1: where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is,
2: to help
1: school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks. At the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield.
3: I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and
0: hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know show. What a week, what a
3: week we have had. And before I get into any of it,
0: before I discuss a bit of it,
3: I have something I need to do. I need to say goodbye to someone so here is a little
0: something i don't expect any of you to get this one the name it and claim it you may not get if you do then hats off to you i'll tell you who it is when we come back tip of the hat to our own troll towelhead chief engineer here at the LMC radio network that's right troll uh-oh here we're back sorry about that uh like i said Uh, Tip of the hat to our own troll towelhead chief engineer here at the LMC radio network. He did, in fact, get it right. That was the greatest. The champ himself, Muhammad Ali, was stand by me from back in 1963. Goodbye, champ. You were the greatest. Well, like I said... It has been quite a week, and I want to settle a few things up before we go on over to uh, the LMC radio newsroom. First of all, no doubt, you have seen the returns on the primaries. You know that D.C. is still yet to vote. You saw the meeting in Washington today. With the president and the vice president, and you saw the president's official endorsement. There it is. Okay, that's that. Now, why do I bring it up? Because inevitably, somebody is going to say, Professor Porterfield, what do you think about this? Well, I'm going to give you a shocking answer. One you may not expect from the old professor. I am going to keep my own counsel. That's right. I'm going to keep my own counsel. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to vote as I believe I should vote, and I'm going to participate as I believe I should participate. And in the immortal words of Stanley and all the rest of the guys and gals in the old bullpen, nuff said. Well, it's been a hot one here in Texas. First we got drowned. Now... We're getting baked, but, uh, and in fact, uh, today, I will tell you that we're having a bit of trouble with the air system here at the LMC uh, studios, the the repeater here in Texas. In fact, I am sitting in the studio uh, pretty much just in shorts, so it's hot in here so if you wanted to picture professor porterfield in shorts sitting in front of a mic this is this is your moment guys or the the thrill of radio it's whatever your imagination wants it to be uh it, please be kind please please be kind also i have to tell you that uh most of the news team is out right now they are out covering a big story uh Locally and between here and Austin involving alligators. I kid you not. Involving alligators. So hopefully we will have a report back from them uh, next week about whatever this alligator thing is. They're being very secretive about it. I'm not sure why we needed to send Wink and Patchy and everybody the hell else. Out there to cover an alligator story, but they're they're covering some sort of an alligator story. So this week we have a very unique situation. We have been graced to have with us this week Earl Sinclair, that's right, Earl Sinclair, uh, and Earl Sinclair, I don't know if any of you are aware of him or if you followed his career in the past, uh, but Earl Sinclair is a former newsreader, uh, according to my information I've got here in front of me, with the BBC Radio, uh, specifically BBC One, and uh, Mr. Sinclair will be sitting in for Wink and Patchy tonight, uh, and perhaps some more in the future. And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I now turn you over to the LMC radio newsroom and Mr. Earl Sinclair.
3: Good evening. This is the news. Earl Sinclair reading. Today is Thursday, June 9th, the 161st day of 2016. There are 11 days until summer begins, and 205 days left in the year. The 10th through the 11th will be auspicious days to cut firewood, mow to increase growth, dig holes, wax floors, and kill plant pests. The 8th through the 11th is a poor period for planting. Use this time instead to kill plant pests, clear fence rows, or clear land. The 10th of the 11th will be fair days for fishing, with the evening hours having the best fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from this date in 1986, when the Rogers Commission released its report on the Challenger disaster, criticizing NASA and rocket builder Morton Thockel for management problems leading to the explosion that claimed the lives of seven astronauts. Also on this date... In AD sixty eight, Roman Emperor Nero committed suicide, ending his thirteen year reign. In eighteen seventy, Arthur Charles Dickens died in Gad Hills Place, England. In nineteen eleven, Carrie A Nation, the hatchet wielding Temperance Crusader, died in Leavenworth, Kansas at age sixty four. In 1934, the first Walt Disney animated cartoon featuring Donald Duck, The Wise Little Hen, was released. In 1943, the federal government began withholding income tax from paychecks. In 1946, Pumi Pum Ye became king of Thailand at age 18, beginning a reign that continues to this day. In 1953, 94 people died when a tornado struck Worcestershire, Massachusetts. In 1954, during the Senate arms hearing, Army Special Counsel Joseph N. Welch famously berated Senator Joseph R. McCartney, Republican, Wisconsin, by asking the senator, Have you no sense of decency, sir? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? In 1969, the Senate confirmed Warren Burger to the new Chief Justice of the United States, seceding Earl Warren. In 1973, Secretariat won the Belmont Stakes, becoming horse racing's first Triple Crown winner in 25 years. And finally, in 1995, a fire destroyed the Georgia mansion. ...of Atlanta Falcons receiver Andre Rison, His girlfriend, rap singer Lisa Left Eye Lopez... ...admitted causing the blaze after a fight... ...and was later sentenced to probation. Today's birthday greetings go out to comedian Jackie Mason... ...who is 88. Rock musician Mick Box of Uriah Heep is 69. Film composer James Newton Howard is 65. Mystery author... Patricia Cornwell is 60. Actor Michael J. Fox is 55. Actor Johnny Depp is 53. Actress Gloria Rubin is 52. Gospel singer-actress Tamila Mann, 50. Bluegrass singer-musician Jamie Daly of Daly & Vincent is 41. We wish them all a very fine Birthday. Also, we wish to send out birthday greetings to Air members Madame Nadia and Michelle Jackson, who celebrated their birthdays this month. Our thought for the day comes from Horace Walpole, English author, born 1717, 17, died 1797, who said quote, Imagination was given to man to compensate him for what he hasn't. A sense of humor was provided to console him for what he has. This has been the news read by Earl Sinclair. And now we turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers.
2: Lucky number, Oh, I'm dreaming of lucky numbers. Oh. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers, yeah. Oh, even makes make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes. Issues may, make me, may make you please. Haven't Hey, been. that's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, all right, it Put my truck in group for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, thank you, in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah! Oh yes, and unlike the
3: Nicholas Brothers, you need not just trust in Goofer Dust because we have the lucky numbers for you here each and every week. I have to say that
0: is probably the most sedate news reporting we have ever had on the show. I mean that was like no offense to Mr Sinclair, but that was like way low key. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com, as always. And they are 3, 6, 16, 24, 48, and 55. Once again, those lucky numbers this week are 3, 6, 16, 24, 48, and and 55. This week's lucky 3-digit numbers are 216. That's 216. 555. Five, five, that's 555. And 636. Six, that's 636. And I must tell you that 216 and 3-6, excuse me 216 and 636 six are particularly hot right now and will be for the next 4 days 216 636 six will be hot for the next 4 days then they will begin to slack off and 555 five, five will be steady throughout the card of the week is the joker look out the devil's about hidden forces beware. This week's influences will be hidden and obscured. Strange, unexpected, and perhaps even startling occurrences may befall this week. Wild energies began to run loose, and there is a general sense of unease. Take care, precaution, and extra attention to all you do this week. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, our own Miss Loretta
2: with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman but she was another. This is Wild
4: delightful recipe for you that I hope you're going to enjoy the boys in the technical aspect of all this have told me that they will make sure to be posting all of the instructions and ingredients after the segment so just hold on until after I'm done and they will post it all up in the chat room for you Before I get into this week's recipe, I have to tell you that it caused a huge stir around here this week. Uh, We have a little kind of, it's not an audition, but it's kind of a sitting down together where we talk about what's going to go on with the show. And everybody makes sure that they're all, you know, kind of together of one mind and we do that on Wednesday evenings and I have to tell you when I said what I was going to be telling for this week's recipe everyone laughed their selves sick and I didn't know why and then Professor Porterfield told me this huge elaborate story with him running around and jumping up on chairs and Gesticulating his hands And it was so funny I just couldn't breathe I was laughing so hard So this recipe tonight Comes with apologies To his little sweet wife, Christy Nobody's making fun of you, baby But God, that was a funny story Anyway, tonight I'm going to be telling you How to make slow cooker Smothered, smothered pork chops And we're only going to call them Smothered pork chops We're not going to call them anything else the prep time for this is approximately 15 minutes, and the cook time is going to be a total for eight of eight hours. So this recipe will take you eight hours and 15 minutes. You're going to need the following ingredients: four bone-in pork chops, about three fourths of an inch thick, seasoned with salt and pepper on each side, four slices of bacon cut into small pieces, two tablespoons of canola oil, one large yellow onion cut into one-half inch thick slices, one-fourth a cup of water, two tablespoons of water, one tablespoon of brown sugar, two tablespoons of minced garlic, three cups of low-sodium chicken stock, Now, I don't normally use the low-sodium chicken stock, but for this, you'll want to, because otherwise, it's going to turn out way too salty because of the pork chops and the bacon. Two tablespoons of Worcestershire sauce, two bay leaves, one tablespoon cornstarch, one tablespoon of cider vinegar, and one teaspoon of dried parsley. To cook this, what you will do is pat your pork chops dry with a paper towel and then season both sides with salt and pepper. Cook your bacon over medium heat until it's crispy and remove the bacon from the pan with a slotted spoon and transfer it to a paper towel lined plate to drain. And then store it in the fridge until later. There should be about two tablespoons of bacon drippings in the pan and just kind of eyeball it. If it doesn't look like there's enough, add a little canola or vegetable oil and increase the heat to high. If there's more than two tablespoons of bacon drippings in the pan, drain some off until you're left with only about two tablespoons. Now, Add the pork chops to the pan and cook them for two to three minutes at tops per side until they are nicely browned. And then transfer the browned pork chops into your slow cooker. Add a small amount of oil to the pan if there's no remaining fat or oil. Again, about a teaspoon. Add the onions, a pinch of salt, one-fourth a cup of water, and onions are translucent. Use a wooden spoon to scrape up the browned bits of pork chop and bacon on the bottom of the pan. Add in your garlic and cook for another minute or so. And then pour this mixture over the pork chops in your slow cooker. Now to your skillet, you will combine your chicken chicken stock, Worcestershire sauce, and brown sugar. And bring it to a boil. And then pour that over your pork chops. Add your bay leaves to the slow cooker and cook on low for seven to eight hours until the pork chops are tender and completely cooked all the way through. Discard the bay leaves and carefully remove the pork chops from the slow cooker and transfer to a plate. Cover with foil to keep warm while you make your sauce. To do this, you pour the liquid from the slow cooker through a fine mesh strainer into a large saucepan. Place the solids in a blender and add in one cup of the liquid from the saucepan. Blend on high until smooth and pour this mixture back into the saucepan and heat to medium-high heat. Now, in a small bowl, combine two tablespoons of water with one tablespoon of cornstarch pour this mixture into the saucepan and cook it all for about five minutes until the sauce is thickened and is bubbly stir in the vinegar add in your bacon and season with salt and pepper to taste and then to serve you just place a pork chop atop fully cooked rice or egg noodles spoon the gravy over the pork chops and sprinkle with a little touch of parsley if you like I hope you will have fun with that. It sure is a favorite in my house and I like it because I can go away for the whole day. I can go away for seven hours. I get up in the morning. I start it early about the time I know I'm going to want to have dinner or have it ready for guests. And then I just come in and do the last part. And everyone always says, how did you do it? Oh, you were only in there for like 15 minutes and here it is. And so that's it folks. Again, The recipe and ingredients will be following just a bit. So until later, this has been Miss Cooking with Miss Loretta. Bye bye.
0: Thank you, Miss Loretta. All right, that sounds great. And we, you know, smothered, they're smothered, smothered pork chops. Someday I'll tell the whole story online. A few people already know it. Miss Cat knows the story about the smothered pork chops. They're smothered pork chops. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week's subject is the holes where we keep the pigeons in this ghost town. and boy what a task that was barely got it done you know to get you all the recipe and uh get back here in front of the mic before the song is done but i did it oh yes now i believe that gia kind of hard to follow because you know we had a Recipe going on And a lot of stuff So I believe Gia is the only person Here who gets a part of a cookie Gia you get half a cookie It was In fact The specials Okay it was the specials With ghost town Did you get it too troll Um well okay Anyway there you go That was the specials With ghost town a rather well-known ska band. Yes, it is a black and white cookie. Yes, it would be a black and white cookie because they were they were checkerboard ska. All right. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's going to run off now to try to figure out what checkerboard ska is uh, on Google. Have fun. You'll get an education. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, welcome to this week's professorial pontification our topic tonight is the holes where we keep the pigeons in this town and apparently christy got it also so christy uh who uh, you know kind of a bit of a cheat come on christy you you totally know it but very well i'll give you a cookie later all right, so yeah, see that's 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 some duplicitous – you know. Then we got people coming in and questioning. And then somebody's going to go to the Obitsman and Air and say, oh, he gave his wife a cookie for a thing on the show and whatever. Okay, then you know it's got to be investigated. It's it's a big pa- pain in the ass. Now, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about first pigeonholing. And it might seem a slightly strange subject, but it is a topic that is rife in the community of hoodoo, conjure, and root work. As I have spoken to you before on the show, everyone kind of wants to claim hoodoo, to possess hoodoo, to keep hoodoo, to make hoodoo theirs, to cut everybody else out of it. To ignore history, to ignore evidence For a number of different reasons Some of them racially related Some of them economically related Some of them based off of personal gnosis Some of them out of a sense of self-importance Maybe even a little bit of neuroses in there My dear listeners One can never tell But outside of that experience, there is also a desire to pigeonhole hoodoo. And that is to basically say, this is the little hole in the cubby, this is the little hole with all the other roosting pigeons where it belongs. And they then grab up this big black rooster and and try and push it into this little hole, this little cubby designed for a pigeon. And it it squawks and it bites and it pecks and it scratches because it kind of defies being put in there. You hear a lot of different sort of pigeon holes that are attempted to be put around hoodoo. There's a certain variety and segment of ceremonial and, quote, high magicians who want to say that it is quote low magic it's low magic and it belongs over there it's the low magic it's not the high magic that we're doing and there are others of a similar vein call it primitive magic now i want to stop and address both of those before i move down the list the problem with those two is that For something to be low, something else is high. And so the designation of hoodoo as being low means that you get to then enjoy the benefit of you being high, you see. And that comes with a whole damn burlap bag, okay, of Problematic, problematic, goddamn, threads attached to it. As they say, there's a lot of unpacking to be done there. The first problem is that it has a little bit of a taste of racism, imperialism, and colonialism to it. Because Here we are. We are the high magicians, and this high magic comes out of Europe and is handed down ancient secrets that apparently, from what I can tell, came out of Egypt, came out of the Middle East, came out of Atlantis. I do not say Atlantis to be joking. I'm not saying that to be snide. Okay, I'm not trying to be a smartass by saying that I'm not putting anyone down by saying that I'm trying to accurately say these things Atlantis, Lemuria the the hidden masters out of India out of the Himalayas out of hidden clandestine monasteries of thought, etc, etc, etc and okay and they're the high ones they're all focusing on Oh, I have no idea. I'm not trying to speak as an e- expert on what they do or to necessarily put their practice down, but they're off, you know, trying to focus on God forms or uh, they're off, uh, you know, riding their uh, uh, Typhonic roller coaster ride and trying to engage in ego death and, uh, you know, bring about the new aeon and all hail the child and all that. But again, I'm no expert. However, it is as the expression down here in the South goes, it is mighty white of them. Okay. It's awful high and white and privileged and judgmental of them to, come in with their fine-chiseled noses in the air and declare an entire body of work low. And they are not necessarily talking about low, meaning, you know, let us sit on the floor, let us, you know, near the uh, center of the earth or whatever. They mean low as in below, of a more simplistic form, of a lesser degree. And inevitably you'll hear from someone at least one or two of them, involved in such practices that you need to elevate yourself and set aside such childish and low things and do the great work, the high work, the good work, the whatever work. And that's a bit of a problem, particularly in light of Hoodoo's use of Solomonic magic. But we'll let that slide for a moment. The next problem with this is the idea of people saying that it's primitive. Now, these are a different sort of people that call it primitive magic. All right? And these people range from certain classes of sorcerers and magicians themselves all the way down to anthropologists and, you know, all your people stuck up in the academic ivory tower. And the problem with primitive is again the same thing with high low. Where there's a quote primitive, there must be a civilized. And that sort of wipes out entire group of people, okay? That exist. You're just primitives. You're primitives, you know. Well, first of all, I wasn't aware that anyone who practiced hoodoo didn't have the wheel or pottery, or any of the other supposed, you know, prerequisites for middle-of-the-road Victorian anthropological definition of civilized. And it's a goddamn mouthful of foul water to wander around telling a group of people who have been oppressed, who have been kidnapped, brought in chains and forced into slavery into the Americas, that they're savages, that they're primitives. Even though all those times have changed, emancipation has happened and they still happen to be practicing their magic. And those that practice that form of magic with them, all primitives. So those are, Two of the first little pigeonholes that everyone wants to try and push Hoodoo into. The next is that they are devil worshippers, heathens, evil. They're doing the devil's work. We'll push them into that pigeonhole. Now, obviously, I guess we can just forget about the fact that Hoodoo strongly uses uh, the primarily the protestant bible primarily the king james version of the bible that it uses jewish psalms that it has solomonic magic involved in it that it has prayers that it openly has petitions before jesus and the holy ghost and god the most high but okay sure it's the devil's work it's a convenient pigeonhole that pigeonhole shockingly is really big like you can fit a blue whale in that hole because people who want to push things into that hole need a lot of space. Okay, pal. They need a lot of space in their whale hole to force people into there and pretty much they'll push anyone into there, man. I know people, I know people down here where I live. I'm talking about, you know, people I can talk to. I'm not talking about strangers here who actively believe that the the Catholic Church is a cult, and they're not sure that they're Christians at all. Which is kind of really fucking
1: strange,
0: considering that Protestantism came out of Catholicism, but, I guess, whatever. So they need to be able to have a lot of room in that that blue whale-sized pigeonhole to, uh, you know, pull in there. Now, the next pigeonhole is from a different side of religion. These are people who are coming out of a African traditional religion, whatever it may be, and they have two little pigeonholes that they want to stuff hoodoo into. Either they want to stuff it into the it's not a part of us, it's bullshit, it's, again, a little primitive, it's spookism, it's superstition – it's nonsense or oh, it's evil because they don't have any priests they don't have any uh set oaths or liturgy it's 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 nonsense we're doing the real stuff okay and if you would come and study whatever it is we're studying you would see that we're doing the real stuff that's the first one the other one is the exact opposite. It's absolutely a part of us. Uh, it's absolutely 100% hoodoo is Palo. Hudu is Santeria. Hudu is Lukomi. So Hudu is Ifa. Hudu is Obeah. Hudu is um, uh, Kimbanda. Hudu is, uh, you know, you name it. Hoodoo is that. They're, they're the, you know, it is suddenly we're all like one of the lost tribes of the Israelites okay is what's going on there and they're ready and willing and able to bring us home and have us at the door come back home so long as we meet certain mm, qualifications and along those qualifications a whole lot of us are going to be eliminated again for many different really reasons some racial some religious you name it okay at the end of the day we're welcome to come home as long as we out the party line, and basically stop doing hoodoo, and instead go and become uh, you know, whatever Poleros, or Santeros, or whatever, and and they're happy to have us and again, I'm not speaking about everyone in any of this I'm not saying that every Christian says it's deviltry, because obviously there are Christians that practice hoodoo, I'm not saying that everybody involved in ATR says this I'm talking about some of the pigeonholes, okay, that various groups try to push us into. Now, then there's a third one that somewhat relates to the African traditional religions, the ATR pigeonholes. This is the people who say, uh, well, it's a sham because it's not real hoodoo, and real hoodoo is whatever the hell I say it was, circa fill-in date. And that's where we start to come to the ghost town, and we'll come back to that in a moment. So keep that one in mind. Meanwhile, there are people grabbing our black rooster and trying to stuff our black rooster into a pigeonhole that says Irish, French, Appalachian, Italian, probably Etruscan by now, uh, European witchcraft, uh, on and on and on. They want us to be them. They're saying, well, the true hoodoo, the real hoodoo, the real basis of hoodoo is this. Then there are people who want to come in and say, oh, well, hoodoo is chaos magic. It's chaos magic. So it goes into the chaos magic pigeonhole. I can't imagine how the hell hoodoo belongs in the chaos magic pigeonhole, but... There it goes. And then finally, there are our dear, pessimistic, meter-reading, amazing Randy candle-lighting friends who just want to put it in the chicanery pigeonhole. It's a fraud. It's a fake. It's a goof. It's marketing. It's all lies. It's exploitation. It's just bullshit. And they are divided into a number of different groups. Some of them would put all magic into that. Some of them uh, want to put it in there for, again, racial reasons. And again, on both sides of the racial divide, there are white people who want to put it in there because, oh, that's all black superstition. There are black people who want to put it in there because they don't want to be associated with it because they, there's some sort of sense of internalized shame that they've gotten. Uh, From white people, and you know, if we all stop carrying rabbit's feet and stop lighting candles, then we'll be allowed to have our emancipation and the end of our oppression, except it doesn't work out that way, now does it? So basically what you have when you have hoodoo is a clustered around group of pearl-clutching, hand-wringing individuals who are just dying,
4: just dying it up and put it in a nice, clean
0: – we've got some straw in there, a little bit of grain – conveniently located pigeonhole with all the other little pigeons because we want it to make sense. But what you rarely will find, what you almost never will find – there are a few, but this is really the rarest duck Okay, in the gathering – is – Someone who wants to understand hoodoo for what it is. Someone who sees it as a relatively new experience, although it has roots into a number of different, quote, traditions, cultures, lifestyles, societies, religions, and magical forms. Who wants to see it. So basically what you sort of have is this. You've got jazz music, and everybody wants to say it's some sort of different music. It's not really jazz. It's really uh, uh, highbrow European music. It's it, it, Yeah, it's music, but it's not as good as highbrow European music. Uh, yeah, it's music, but it's not this. Oh, it's African. Oh, it's French. Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, it's Dixieland. Oh, it's bluegrass. Oh, it's everything, everything but jazz and everything but looking at it, how it is, who started it, who became it, how it operates, and what it is onto itself. Because there is a great desire to stick all the birds, whether they're pigeon-sized or not, into convenient pigeon holes. Now, hoodoo itself does itself no favors when dealing with these sorts of people because, non-initiatory, We don't have any great book of secrets, any sworn, solemn oaths taken at knife point, bound and tied and blindfolded inside temples, inside halls, out in the middle of woods, next to streams, in circles cast in the air at midnight. We're just ourselves Most of our information passes down hand-to-mouth, person-to-person, family-to-family, inside small communities, inside, as I have said, familial bounds and familial lines. A few little bits here, a few little bits there, and we are, although we have a sort of orthodoxy, a traditional manner of working, we are explorative, we are gathering, and new things come in. How do you think uh, Hell Notes and and Ganesh ended up in Hoodoo? Okay. And so Hoodoo itself sort of defies pigeonholing into a pre-existing pigeonhole. Meaning it needs its own little roost pretty much has its own little roost if you're willing to listen to the rooster and say well that's a rooster it's not a pigeon that's its that's itself it's not something else it is itself and here are its roots and here is its history and here are the people who have influenced it And here are the names, and here are the families, and here are recipes, and here's a method of thinking about it. But very few people have done that. Most people just want to stick it in a little hole made for a different bird. Why? Well, that's a pretty hot debate. Obviously, there are some, and you would be asinine to not get this, that do so from a position of, racist privilege. Whether they're active racists or not, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're in the Klan. I'm not saying they're out wearing, you know, white sheets burning crosses. What I'm saying is they are embedded in a racist model. And that leads them to this desire to engage in this pseudo-Victorian anthropological breakdown Of things, Which isn't actually any sort of real academic breakdown of things. It's no real attempt to understand. It's pigeonholing. The holes where we keep the pigeons. And obviously all birds are pigeons. And if they're not pigeons, we'll make damn sure to cut their wings off, cut their feet off, and cut their beaks off until they fit. We're just going to stuff them in there because we have to have everything in their nice little pigeonholes rather than making appropriate size roosts for the variety of birds. When we can't do that, then we ignore the bird completely. It just doesn't exist. This causes quite a bit of problems because what it does is it stops any sort of dialogue. And because it stops dialogue, it creates friction. You have people involved right now as I speak involved deeply involved in the pagan community. Oh yeah, I'm about to I'm about to start some trouble. Involved in the pagan community who do not welcome talk to, acknowledge, want around them, people who practice who do. Now, certainly some of them have this sort of a veneer excuse that hoodooists in their estimation are christio magicians and that they are pagans and therefore paganism and christianity the two will never meet the twain shall not be together you stay wherever you go over here we're going to have our little we're going to have our little interesting religious segregation but that's not really the largest percentage of the people that you see do this it's a very sort of academic answer it sounds you know it sounds great in fact, it sounds so great that it often sounds to me like a pre-prepared answer. Oh well, you're a Christian magician, so
3: we reject uh, the uh, Judeo-Christian,
0: the Abrahamic influence that have that have destroyed our people and the earth and oppressed women and the burning times. And you know, I'm starting to sound like Earl Sinclair here. Uh, but again, that's not. So many of them. You will out and out have people say that they don't want to engage or to be around it because it's harmful, because it's coercive, because it's left-hand path. Oh, did I not uh, did I not mention that pigeonhole? Did I not mention the pigeonhole where hoodoo is either left-hand path or right-hand path, and everybody's fighting over the rooster to try to stuff him in one? Yeah, we got that one too. They don't want to engage with Hoodoists because they're left-hand followers, or because they're right-hand followers. We don't. Their are entire little. I, I'm not sure what the proper grouping of uh, Satanisms is. Is it a cotier? Is it is it a is it a, a flock? Is it is it a is it a, a pod? I'm not sure what the the pro- troll will tell me later What the actual, what the correct grouping of Satanists are. And they don't want to engage with hoodoos because we're right hand path. All right? But what happens is that there becomes no room at the inn for people who practice hoodoo and conjure. And isn't that? Terribly convenient when also happened to be people of color. And here's a further little bit of trouble I'm going to start. Ready? I said at the opening of this that apparently it's a, a grossness of Satanists. Um, I said at the opening of this pontification that it was the holes we keep the pigeons in in this ghost town. You may be wondering about the ghost town. Let's talk about the ghost town for a moment. Here it comes. I'm about to start trouble. Mark it down, write it down on a piece of paper, and bring it to me the next time you see me so I can sign my name to it because I'm not going to back off this one. Isn't it coincidental? Coincadinkly interesting that the modern American, that's all I can talk about. I'm not going to talk about England. I'm not going to talk about, uh, you know, South America, Central America. I'm not going to talk about any other place. I'm not, talking about, I'm not going to talk about Canada. Let's just talk about America, the United States of America. Okay? Let's talk about it. Isn't it coincadinkly opportunistic isn't it just fascinating isn't it just a just a shocker that the pagan and neo-pagan community in the United States of America has begun to open up to hoodoo in so much as welcoming white practitioners of hoodoo particularly those with a background in neo-paganism, particularly with those with some sort of pagan or neo-pagan clout, whether it be family names or pre-experience or published author or initiatory creds. Isn't that fascinating? I wonder why that would ever happen. What a shock. It's the most strange and unusual thing that you could ever imagine. I mean, there couldn't be something else going on, could there? I mean, obviously, prior to say, oh, let's just pick a date. Let's just say 1989 to 1990. Prior to 1989 to 1990, clearly, clearly, there were no people of color, there were no African Americans of age, of credibility of experience practicing hoodoo in the united states of america i mean that's just ridiculous obviously you know that's it but what do we see to this day in this ghost town what we see here in this ghost town is
1: tons of
0: hoodoo practitioners conjure practitioners root work practitioners who also have some sort of credibility in a pagan or neo-pagan milieu or connections to it, being openly armed, welcomed at gatherings, seminars, shops, centers, etc. All right. Now, maybe right now you're saying, oh, what's he on about? What he's on about is he's old enough to fucking remember. Okay, You didn't try to sell me ten pounds of hogwash in a five-pound bag, but I ain't buying. I was there, okay? And I remember the way this used to be. Hoodoo was not welcome. Now, maybe there was some sudden awakening. Sure, that's it. They all just straightened themselves out, right? One day, there was just a wonder. It was the correct alignment of planets, or there was a particular sabbath or a, 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 a particular high day, and I, the summer solstice, and they all worked it out suddenly, and all the problems that had existed before, all the nastiness, all the shade, all the side-eyeing, all the mealy-mouthed muttering, all the put-downs, all the hostility, all the noses in the air, all of that just just a fucking peered right? The old pagan community all died out, and these are the new kids, except The old community didn't die out. All those names are still floating around. I mean, some of them certainly haven't. Some of them were even nice people. And may their memories be a blessing. And yet, they're not all dead. Okay? They're not all gone. So this was not a change in the ranks. This was not a sudden realization. Okay? This was not some sort of come-to-Jesus moment where they all rid themselves of their previous sins, made amends, and we all started a new day. No, 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 no. What instead happened was it was all just oaky smoky. It was suddenly all oaky smoky because there were things to buy and things to sell, because they had their elders who now had learned hoodoo, because they had their initiates who had now learned hoodoo, because they had people that they could look at and relate to that now we're okay with hoodoo. Now, before anybody goes out and starts looking in their garage to see what would make a good torch so they can come around to my house,
4: I do not mean
0: every pagan – I do not mean that every neo-pagan is like this. There are many wonderful people involved in the pagan and neo-pagan community, many – Socially aware, intelligent, spiritually open, uh, 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 non-racist, uh, loving, kind, amazing people. And that's not some sort of shady, I've got many friends
3: who are, who are pagans
0: kind of shit out of my mouth. I-, I just mean that there are honestly some very good people who approach Hoodoo from a respectful position. And engage with it respectfully, and some of them actually go on to become wonderful hoodoo workers, great hoodoo workers, great root workers, great conjure doctors. In fact, some of them go on to do that and stop being a part of paganism. Some of them continue to do both. What I'm saying is isn't it goddamn interesting that the opening in the door – that the opening in the door was – for people that looked like them Sure you can make some sort of statement About how everybody's always you know, Receptive to the, the Same and, and xenophobic And fearful of the other And you know we can go around and around about that all the time But what I'm trying to say to you Is That This Gosh How do I want to put this to you When a change comes about And it has not been made deeply. When it's just a a change of the drapes, we just paint the walls. We don't actually do anything with the house. All you have to do is scratch the surface. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is scratch the surface. And you will find the paint beneath. You will find the problems in the Floors, you'll find the problems in the walls, and I have not seen that addressed yet. I have not seen the situation in the pagan community addressed. And so, at a moment's name, at a moment's name, we who practice hoodoo, whether we be people of color who have the worst end of the stick. Or not are dismissed from pagan spaces, pagan culture, pagan conversations, pagan organizations, etc. Regardless of why we're there, boom, out we go. Why? Because we use the Bible. Because Jesus. Because Abrahamic faith. Because we're coercive. Because love spells are a form of rape. Because death magic marks us as being evil, because it's all chicanery, and all the old arguments come up again. All of a sudden, it's chicanery again. All of a sudden, they're they're chuckling up their, their robe sleeves at us because we're using bones and bits of herbs and this, that, and the other thing. And boom, out we go again. So the house hasn't been addressed yet. Oh, I like the new paint. It's pretty paint. The new curtains are nice. I like the new furniture. It's nice to be asked to come in and sit down and have a cup of tea instead of having a door slammed in my face. But, but, the problems in the house are still there. The problems in this ghost town are still there. Why do I say ghost town? Why do you keep saying that, Professor? Because when everybody's busy either trying to claim hoodoo and make it theirs, and take it away from what it is, or pigeonhole hoodoo, or make a buck off of hoodoo, or quickly extrapolate the parts of hoodoo that they can use in their practice, discard the rest, and run giggling back out into the woods, what you end up with, ghost town. Let me tell you one of the things that I see as a sign of the ghost town one of the signs that i see of the ghost town is signage signage i'm being perfectly serious signage itself look there are some of us okay uh myself and i think i can say Catherine ironwood in this who appreciate a certain aesthetic we like beautiful things We just like beautiful things. I like beautiful things because they're beautiful, and beauty is judged by a personal aesthetic. What's beautiful to me is not necessarily beautiful to you, and what's beautiful to you is not necessarily beautiful to me. But there are things outside of the debate about beauty that are aesthetically pleasing. They're symmetrical. They're well-balanced. They have good color balance outside of just visual balance. They have good uh, composition things of this nature, and there are certain things that are aesthetically pleasing in a way because they don't have that, because they have a kind of enforced kind of chaotic or naturalistic kind of presentation on them, and some of us just love beautiful things, and as a part of you loving beautiful things, we love and believe that products should be beautiful as well. That you're not just buying what's in the container, in the packet, in the bag, that you're also buying that container, that bag, that package, and it should be beautiful Should make you receptive to it. And so it's something that you can enjoy possessing, not just something you can enjoy using. And furthermore, some of us, myself included, and again, I don't mean to speak for anyone, but I think I can mention my friend Catherine in this as well, enjoy the aesthetic and the image and the look of certain things from a certain time period. That time period that was exemplified by such great manufacturers as King Novelty and Valmore and others. And we know the artists. We know the artists, we know those artists' names, and we have collected and looked at other art of theirs that they did for the Chicago Museum and uh, Chicago Art Expo and other places, and art they did in the Chicago Defender. We love those artists as well, not just for their hoodoo work, but as an artist in themselves, and you would do yourself a service to go and learn about their art and who they were and what they did. But, because of that, there are certain other people who now pigeonhole, who now pigeonhole hoodoo as having to be a part of that, to be hoodoo. In other words, if your hoodoo doesn't, if like, say, your labels, or your artwork or pictures of your work or pictures of your working space or you when I meet you or whatever your traveling kit is that you keep your you know when you have to go from place to place you put your things in if it doesn't look like something off of the set of brother where art thou it's not real hoodoo now back this bus up again and listen to me they're not saying it's not beautiful they're not saying it's not aesthetically pleasing that's a that's an artistic debate. That's a that's a incidental debate. That's you and I or whoever sitting down and saying, I like this and I don't like that. I love Monet, but I don't like, you know, whatever, uh, a and I like so and so and this, that, and the other. I like this, I like that, and this turns me on and I love the way it looks and I like the lines on it and I like how that makes me feel and I like those color patterns and I like the color patterns go with the product. That that's a separate debate. This is it's not real hoodoo. And that feeds back into what I've talked to you about, about this countryfiedness that's bullshit. Like, oh, there's never been hoodoo in Baltimore, right? There's no hoodoo in in Oakland. There's no hoodoo in San Francisco. There's no hoodoo in Los Angeles. There's no hoodoo in Washington, D.C. There's certainly no hoodoo in Chicago and New York, right? Because it all has to look like something off the set of Brother Where Art Thou? And if it doesn't, then it's not real hoodoo. So we have to use the most kitschy, antiquated... You know, Canada, looking fonts and artwork, etc., or where it's not real hoodoo. And that is part of the ghost town. That is part of the emptying streets where everybody wants to pigeonhole anything, and there are no pigeons, no roosters left to wander around on their own and do their thing and live in a natural setting, the natural hoodoo setting. No, 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 no. And listen, man, in my own way, in my own way, I'm 100% guilty of this. I mean, tie me to the post. I am 100% guilty of this. Because the aesthetic that I enjoy that turns me on, that makes things work for me from an aesthetic and artistic place happens to fall into those areas. And it doesn't matter that that was true before I publicly became a practitioner of hoodoo, before I put my shingle out. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Now, it is true. You can ask my wife. You can ask Catherine Ironwood. You can ask my friends. You can ask my goddamn kids. I'm still looking for a haberdasher, okay? Like, literally, if you know a good haberdasher, if you happen to have a good haberdasher in your city, please send their name and address to Professor Porterfield at... Professor Porterfield at gmail.com. I mean, seriously, sit, ProfPorterfield at gmail.com. Send me. I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. I need a haberdasher. I need one. Okay. So that's me. But because of that, I've done my part accidentally to add into this. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I have made and helped accidentally make people think that That's what hoodoo looks like. That's what hoodoo looks like for me. All right? Now, again, I'm not telling you to go take some brush and run out into the night painting madly, doing whatever the fuck you want with no regard to the system, with no regard to the tradition, with no regard to the structure of it, and just toot toot on your saxophone out in the woods and call it jazz. No, it's not jazz. Sorry, jazz has rules. And hoodoo has rules. Okay? And structure and form and function and it has a smell and it has a taste, and it has a sound all right, to it. And so certainly some of the work ends up looking very similar. But if someone's going to tell you that you have to use this kind of a font or it's not real hoodoo, get the hell away from them. If it's not in sepia, it's not real hoodoo, get the hell away from them. If it's not in black and white, it's not real hoodoo, get the hell away from them. If it's not If it's not got a line art uh, circa 1932, it's not real hoodoo, get the hell away from them. What's happening here is pigeonholing. What's happening here is the clearing off of the street that helps make this a ghost town, where everything looks the same, smells the same, acts the same. And there's no new difference. There's nothing. And suddenly, everybody does the same thing. Now, a word of wisdom has been uttered by... Chaz Bogan in the chat room And I want to post I want to pass this along to you in case you Never read the chat log He says just stay away from Comic Sans And we'll all be good A fucking man Please stay away From Comic Sans That doesn't mean if you use Comic Sans It's not real hoodoo It just means Comic Sans is a really shitty font God please stop using it Please, I'm begging you as an old typesetter, do an old typesetter. Hello, this is Professor Charles Porterfield on behalf of the Old Typesetter's Home. Could you please help out old typesetters here at the Old Typesetter's Home by ceasing to use Comic Sans? You know, if we all stopped using Comic Sans, old typesetters could live up to 25 years longer. Thank you. Seriously, just stop with the Comic Sans. But if you want to use something, you know, like, I don't know how to quite put this to you except to say that if someone tells you that all hoodoo, not their hoodoo, all hoodoo has to look like something off of a particular movie set or from a particular date or from a particular singular artist or singular manufacturer, just get away from them. All hoodoo doesn't have to look that way. Their hoodoo can. If someone says to you, my hoodoo, my hoodoo needs to look that way because that's what turns me on. That's what makes things pop for me. That's what pleases my eye and my soul and my heart. That's what tastes good to me. Then that's absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. They have made that decision for themselves, and that is absolutely their prerogative as a practitioner, as a manufacturer, as a purchaser. That is absolutely their prerogative and may they have it. Okay? But that doesn't mean yours has to. Now, I'm not telling you that we now need a new line of hoodoo oils that have labels that look good under black light. But man, if that's the way you work, then do your thing. Okay, I won't be buying them probably because I'll be going blind and I'm already actually going blind. So, you know, I need to try to not further that along. But if that's your thing, do your thing. Don't allow yourself to become a part of unthinking pigeonholing. Because when you do, you just add to the ghost town. And the ghost town's growing because everybody wants hoodoo. Everybody wants to take it and make it their own and leave nobody in the streets. At the end of the day, it's fine for you to build whatever fences you want around your house, around your practice, and around your art, and around your products, but for fuck's sake. Just because you're doing it doesn't mean everyone has to do it. Don't add in. Don't wander around, okay, with some sort of self-proclaimed set of stakes and roll barbed wire, tacks and hammers, and try to just cordon everything off and make everything fit into nice, neat little practices. Study the practice instead. Learn what hoodoo really is rather than trying to put it in a box. Don't expect hoodoo to adapt to you. Once again, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. You joined hoodoo. Hoodoo didn't join you. You're not here to try to make it into something wholly other. Find out its history. Find out its pattern. Find out It's jump. It's jive. It's function. It's sound. It's taste. It's movement. It's smell. Learn. Don't be so ready to change. Don't be so ready to pigeonhole it. Don't be so ready to take it and make it yours so it can be no one else's and strip away all sorts of inconvenient parts and just throw them in the dust and dishonor all the people that you're throwing in the dust, all those names you don't even know yet. Take some time. Find your way. And then, when you have your little thing, do your little thing. But for me and for mine, do me one favor. Do me one favor when it comes to dealing with Professor Porterfield. You can build any fence you want around your house. But me, uh-uh. don't fence me in. <laughs>
5: Lots of land under starry skies above Don't sense me in Let me ride through the wide open country that I love Don't sense me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever but I ask you please Don't fence me in, just turn me loose Let me straddle my old saddle underneath the western sky On my cauce, let me wander over yonder Till I see the mountains rise I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences Gaze at the moon till I lose my senses Can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences Don't fence me in  ¶ Rattle my old saddle underneath the western skies ¶¶ On my cayuse, let me wander over yonder ¶¶ Till I see the mountains rise ¶¶ I want to ride to the ridge ¶¶ Where the west commences ¶¶ Gaze at the moon till I lose my senses ¶¶ Can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences ¶ Don't dance me in. Uh Ah-ha!
0: All right. Well, name it and claim it winners. Half the cookie goes to our own Andrea Weston from Liquid Libations Radio. And the other half of that cookie goes to Troll Towelhead. That was, in fact... The one, the only Gene Autry with Don't Fence Me In. is such a pretty song. And you know old Gene was doing the same thing that all of us here at the LMC Radio Network are doing. He was just trying to send a signal.
1: What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard.
0: The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Kambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com.
3: No, thank you. Thank you so much. We really do
0: appreciate it. Yeah, just,
3: just read the copy. Yeah, when the light comes on. Yeah, yeah, it's fine.
0: Oh, uh, oh, uh, hi. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, for that update of our shows each and every week. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's a few words from our sponsors.
3: Hello, and thank you so much. This is Earl Sinclair here talking to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Ladies and gentlemen, did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? They have a wonderful setting there that is open and ready, and accessible to not only you, but also your children, and an amazing train set that not only you, but your children will enjoy greatly. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps books and spell kits for those who cast magic spells love spells, money spells and protection spells in the African American hoodoo pagan magic and other witchcraft traditions so why not stop on by and visit the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California if you can't get there in person then they also have an online presence at Lucky Mojo com where you can browse through hundreds of informative and fascinating pages not only loaded with information but also with thousands of wonderful products that you can order from the comfort of your own home and have delivered directly to you. Once again dear friends, we're talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California and online at luckymojo.com. Why not tell them that Earl Sinclair Sent you.
0: Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, Mr. Sinclair. Okay, that was, that was different.
2: Up next, a little segment of the show I like to call Divination and You. That's right, Divination and You. This week we're going to be talking about numerology.
0: We're not just going to be talking about three and 5 and 8. We're not even going to be talking about the very popular 10. We're we're even going to talk about the loneliest number.
2: One is the loneliest number that you'll
0: gonna have to get a, a spray bottle and break this up man wow y'all over all over that okay so uh, Andrea troll Susan it cookies here are cookies for you here are cookies for all of you in fact that was three dog night with one is the loneliest number and it leads us into our discussion this evening about numerology A favorite topic of mine, which you probably have guessed since, uh, you know, I give out lucky numbers every week, right? So numerology has a long and fascinating history, and it stems out of a number of different sources from the ancient world, including... Different forms of numerology that are found within Japanese, Chinese, uh, Indian, uh, Jewish, uh, French, Spanish, Greek, Roman cultures. And <clears throat> basically, it is several different methods of interpretation of numbers to arrive at divination. Prediction, character analysis, uh, an understanding of hidden forces, that which is unseen, as well as prime spiritual motivation and mo- movement in one's life. And the basic accepted method of this is a correlation between numbers and letters. Um, as well as certain characteristics, life experiences, uh, omens that one has seen, etc. And what happens here is, and particularly in hoodoo, when we see it come into hoodoo, is as a form of divination, where numbers are derived from a client's birth date, name, address, uh, back in the old days... Back in the old days, uh, before giving out such a thing was. <sighs> how do I want to put this? Way silly. Don't do this anymore. Don't. That's my warning right here. Don't do this anymore. But way back in the old days, there was also, you can do it for yourself, uh, there was also numerology done by practitioners on people's social security numbers. Now, obviously, nowadays, it's kind of a bad idea to go around telling everybody your social security number and your name and your address, etc. If that goes bad on you, uh uh-oh, I think you should be able to figure out why. But you can figure out how to do it for yourself and then do it on your own uh, social security number, as an example, and not have to go to someone else. So basically what happens here is that many systems of numerology assign a number to a letter of the alphabet. Now, once you accept that that is done, uh, names or words can then be spelled out as numbers, all right? And these numbers are then added together to make a sum. And then some schools say that the digits of the sum that are over a single digit are then added together or reduced until the final resulting number is discovered and that such a number has a certain meaning. So in other words, uh, one is the individual, uh, two is harmony of partnership, uh, uh, four is a stable number that can be somewhat dogmatic, Uh, 8 is a number of the intelligence and on and on and on now in other systems however each letter of the alphabet is assigned a number and the words are then spelled out as numbers and the numbers are summed but not reduced any further and all words uh, whose numerological value work out to the same root number are thought to be related so in other words let's say dog is a a nine okay now I'm not saying dogs a nine I'm just saying let's say dogs a nine and actually under the my system of calculation generally speaking oh let me think here a dog would be so would be eight okay so once reduced or actually in this case dog would be 17 okay so now everything else that relates to a 17 everything else that comes out as a 17 Okay, can then be related. Okay, so in other words, if the dog's a 17, and if fire's a 17, and if truck's a 17, and if, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, husband is a 17, they all have some interrelationship. And that is a system that you will often see in the older Judaic practice where the number is not reduced. All right. So in other words, we're keeping a whole number and we're relating those numbers and we're saying, oh, this is the number for light and this is the number for creation. And they're the same number. So light and creation have something to do with each other and finding things in that way. However, in most of the numerology that you will encounter as uh, someone who's going out to get numerology done for you, you're going to see those numbers. Uh, broken down they're going to the sum is going to be brought down to a single digit some people will not do an 11 and they see that the 11 is this great prime and so they leave 11 alone they don't reduce it to two and that again has to do with cultural values and things that come from different systems because alphabets are different values are going to be different so in other words we have a simple system for the english used okay uh, letters that we have are based off our latin letters and so we have an a b c d e and therefore we're going to assign that into certain patterns to simple numbers one two three four etc a would be one b would be two c would be three d would be four E, F, G, H, I, all the way to 9, and then we're going to start over again. J is going to be 1. K is going to be 2. This is not necessarily the system that you will find when using other alphabets, non-Latin alphabets, where you find acrylic or Greek or Chinese or Japanese or Hebrew. Here you're going to find that uh, the numbers are different. In fact, in Hebrew the values don't go that way at all. They go one through 10 and then there's higher numbers a 25, you know, there's a 50, there's a, because, because in Hebrew, the letters are also were traditionally used as numbers. All right. So they have a different system. So if you were to be doing numerology in Hebrew or trying to break down a Hebrew text, into numerology, you're going to have to go by that rather than, you know, say, oh, well, it's in English. That's not going to work. You're going to get an off reading. Basically, what normally happens when working out the numerology is you see the numerology of a name and a birth date done the most. And when working out the numerology of names, all the letters that make up a person's complete name are translated into numbers, and then they're added to together. So as an example, um, oh, let's say someone's uh, first name is Carl. Okay, Uh, C is three, A is one, all right? The R is nine, okay? That's 13. The L is a further 3. That's 16. So Carl is a 16. However, then the 1 and the 6 are going to be added together to arrive at a 7. Okay? Generally seen as a very lucky number. So you can say the name Carl is lucky. It has around it what 7 has around it. So you have to learn the system of the interpretation of these numbers. Now. Some people will use the full name. They'll use your full birth name that's on your birth certificate, as an example. In the same way that an astrologer will use your exact time of birth and exact location as best as can be calculated to give you an appropriate astrological reading. Other numerologists will not do that. Other numerologists will use your use Name. So, in other words, they will say, "Well, what do people call you?" Because this is about vibration. It is said, this is about what's vibrating, what's being said, what's being done. How does your mail come to you, etc. So, they would prefer to use the name that you are most often addressed by by as many people. In other words, they're probably not going to use Norma Jean. And, you know, they're going to use Marilyn Monroe because everyone thinks of her as Marilyn Monroe. Everyone identifies her as Marilyn Monroe. Everybody speaks of her as Marilyn Monroe. And so for those people who go by a nickname or a shortened form of their name, a diminutive, or have actually changed their names, then the person who's doing the numerology for you may not go by your birth name. Others will always know. That was what was set into motion, and that's what remains. So there is some division there, some disagreement. But again, it's just a difference between workers. Then there comes the matter of the birth date. Now, that's a pretty straightforward situation. You were probably, you know, if you're born on February 2nd in 1956, you're born on February 2nd, 1956. It doesn't necessarily matter. However... There are individuals who, born with a very poor number, their birthday came out to be something very very inauspicious or something that was in relative major conflict with the num- numerology of their name and they didn't want to change their name, starts, will start celebrating their birthday on a different date. Now, obviously, they can't change legal documents and such of that nature, but they bring the celebration, the acknowledgement, and the vibration to that new day the same way you would change your name and have people doing that. You generally want to have numbers that relate well to each other, numbers that are harmonious together. And so one of the things that a good numerologist will examine is also your address. So, in other words, they'll take your address. Let's say it's a 1305 Oak Street. Okay. And they've already got the 1305. The zero is going to be thrown away. They're going to go 135 is eight. And then they'll even do Oak Street. Okay. Break that in numbers, break Oak down, and give you a total value. Some people will just do the number. It doesn't matter. Oak Street's overwhelming. That's a separate number. In other words, we do Oak Street. That's going to be true for everyone that lives on Oak Street. And then we will do your individual address to see how your individual address relates to the overall number of Oak Street, all right, to see if that house is an auspicious house on that street. Then look at the number of your house, okay, in relationship to your name. And your birth date, how is that going to relate to you being the owner of that place? And how is it going to operate in effect of you living there? That's how the birth number is going to come in. As the numbers get larger, such as area codes, zip codes, larger postal settings, I guess FEMA divisions, etc., then you're talking, again, think of this, if you will, sort of like outer planets. This is now talking almost generationally. This is talking about everybody in the zip code everybody in this region everyone in that because they're all area code etc because they're all falling under that number obviously there is a variable and that variable is the individual numbers that go into it sure this may be your zip code but you may have a fantastic auspicious set of numbers in your actual address your actual street name your actual town name etc so inevitably what people want to know about with this is how do i get lucky numbers well the easiest way is to work out your birth name or the name you're using and your birth date and look at what numbers and sets of numbers are auspicious to it and auspicious to it before it's broken down back down to a single set when it's still a double digit and to see how those numbers relate but you're going to have to start studying numbers and Therefore, you're going to want to pick up dream books, workout books, etc., and see how all those numbers relate together. And then certainly within African traditional religions and other religions, there are sacred or ritual numbers, and those will relate to you within your practice of that religion and how you relate to it. So this week I hope that you will take a little bit of time to go out And study numerology, because it is a study. I I consider it a science, and I consider it as in-depth and as complicated and as beneficial and as fascinating as astrology. And so I hope that you'll take a little bit of time to learn about the pros and cons of it, to answer the questions like, do I use my married name or my maiden name, etc., and explore it and see what it can do for you and what you can do with it. Our information for the Divination and You section comes not only from our own knowledge, but also from the very fine people at the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. And you can find them all at readersandrootworkers.org. Why not stop on by and give them a look? Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen and we're going to be talking about well we're going to be talking about something that makes uh, cats very hats almost a you know like a, a love song for them when they get some <laughs>
1: Everybody knows that I'm what about you When I love you I love you strong When you kiss me You can't go wrong When I hold you baby Everybody knows that I'm what about you You may say that I'm jiving But it's you that I'm thinking of It's not imagination or infatuation It's just plain everyday love I'm a schoolboy from the sticks when I'm with you I get my kick's your sender,
2: honey
1: Everybody knows that
5: I'm fond about you
0: That was Cab Calloway with Hep Cat's Love Song, and it brings us into tonight's In the Kitchen segment, where we're going to be talking about catnip. I cannot say enough in favor of catnip. Catnip is absolutely wonderful. I have had tremendous success with it, I have written about it. I have talked. Now I'm talking about it. You're going to find lots of catnip in the sporting life when you pick up a copy of it. And many others have passed on knowledge about catnip as well. First of all, you should know that catnip and catnip leaves are used for love and and love affairs and love drawing Catnip is thought of as being a woman's herb because it's said that it makes women, uh, you know, irresistible. You know, it makes it makes it makes men ready and increases those men's nature. You know what I'm saying? It it gets those guys up, okay, uh, and that they want to be with that woman. That they are drawn to her as a cat is drawn to cat nip there are a variety of ways that women will use it catnip can simply be carried in a flannel bag with you um and that again is said that it attracts men to you like a cat to catnip and they also say that uh you know you can use uh, catnip as part of a bath a spiritual bath and you can sprinkle catnip from that bath at the four corners of your bed. You can burn catnip uh, with a love drawing incense uh, to attract a new lover. Okay. And you can also uh, soak catnip leaves in whiskey and sprinkle the liquid uh, on your door step at your steps for 21 days, starting on the full moon to help draw in new love or a lover, or to get a man, you know, roused up. You can also, instead of just soaking in whiskey, you could also soak it in cananga water as well. And you can also uh, carry catnip on you, uh, as I said, to draw a man you want to you. However... If you mix catnip with menstrual blood and sprinkle it again at the four corners of your bed, it will help draw a man to you. And you should be thinking about the man in particular, but also it can be just done as a general draw. You can brew catnip with raspberry leaf uh, for a love bath and then wash your armpits. With this, are you listening, ladies? Wash your armpits with this brew, this tea you have made of raspberry leaf and catnip. Wash your armpits with it and sprinkle your armpit sweat into a man's food to again have sway over him, to make him ready, to draw him to you like a cat is drawn to. Catnip. And I have to say that I find personally the odor of catnip to be quite pleasant. I like it very much. It has a very rich history, uh, used in a number of different, uh, you know, uh, uh, worlds, shall we say. You'll also find that some people uh, point out. Uh, that another word for cat is pussy. So I'll 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 just whisper that in your ear, and let you you think about that, uh, where you want to take that. But it does a wonderful job in spells and washes, not only to draw men but to increase physical beauty. And because of that, you can grind catnip up into a very very fine powder, uh, and add a little to a makeup powder that you will use lightly. You don't want to put it in a foundation, but a little makeup powder that you use or a sachet powder that you use is a good way also to help draw men or new love or a particular lover to you. I will also say that in terms of carrying it uh, in uh, you know, a red flannel bag, you probably, ladies, want to make that a bosom bag. You know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you need to go find out. So, again, I cannot speak highly enough about catnip as a bath, as a tea, as an herb, to be used with incense, to be used with candles, to be used in cooperation with liquid to sprinkle it on the corners of beds to put into the wash to wash your bed sheets with or your nightwear, particularly that sexy nightwear maybe that you want to have on when you're trying to get that gentleman to uh, come a little closer. It is a potent and powerful and easily obtained herb. I have enjoyed using it. I have enjoyed women <clears throat> using it. And I recommend that you go out this week and study more about catnip and get some. And you know what? At the end of the day, your cats will thank you because they'll all be stoned. They'll all just be laying around going, hey, man, wow, I just – Wow, since they started using that that nip around here is really good, man. Did you see that nip she brought? Oh, that was great, man. They'll be happy. And then you'll be happy and everybody will be happy. Our information for the In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but also from the excellent book, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her so very, very much for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks, the old clock on the wall says it's time to go. So I'm going to go and see if maybe Miss Loretta has some smothered, they're smothered, pork chops, in the uh, green room and maybe some week I'll tell you the smothered pork chop story if you ask enough. (laughs) Well, I guess this is it. This
1: is the end. Ah, this is not the
5: end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
1: and dump it back to the footways. I'm on down to Dallas, Tink called Kitty. I'm into the Tetons in Kansas City, and Kansas City singers and
2: singers Chicago. I'm on my way, but i doing well. <laughs>
1: Chain cars on the T we